This podcast is reserved for audiences 18 years and older. Hello, and welcome to Leather Talk with Mr. Bullet Leather 2020. I'm your host, Brandon. Today's guest has been in the leather community for over 20 years. They are a mentor, educator, and hold the title of Miss West Coast Olympus 2008 to 2009. Get ready for some more Leather Talk. This is Brandon, your Mr. Bullet Leather 2020, and today we have Mina Desaad. Hi, Mina. Hi. How are you doing today? I am doing great. How about yourself? Pretty good. It sounds like you had a busy morning. Yes. Week. Yes. <laughs> very busy. I am uh, very busy. <laughs> why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, just give us a little snapshot of who you are for those who might not be familiar with you. All right. My name is Mina Desaad Fatal. Um, some might know me from that or just Mina Desaad. I have just turned 42 as of yesterday. I basically um, consider myself pretty much gender free, but more on a non-binary than their her with a Y uh, R on the sense of identity. Um, my orientation, I am queer been queer my whole life. <laughs> um, I've been in the leather community ever since I was 18 years of age. So it's been my whole adult life so far. And I don't see myself changing anywhere. I, I'm deep in it. So why, why not? Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am the former Miss West Coast Olympus 2008 and 2009. I'm also the former producer of West Coast Olympus Leather during the 2016-17 time period, transition period. Um, I love and enjoyed my time and still do with my other brothers and sisters in the Olympus Leather fam. Um, and uh, right now, currently, I am a mentor and educator um, basically one-on-ones, events, anything, anywhere. My email, my phone number is pretty much open. It's on the stalls of all the walls. If you need, <laughs> if you need any questions answered, especially if it's something relating to anything with corset training or um, cross-dressing or anything pertaining to um, putting your leather and your vanilla life together, because I understand that sometimes could be a little hard for most of us. And I do live that double life of a vanilla life and a leather life, and they do run tandem together. So I am always a supporter for those who are trying to incorporate both lifestyles um, simultaneously and having friends and supporters who can kind of guide them in that direction. I'm also in the the a small group, it's not really small, but small enough 
um, the Southland Title Sisters. We're basically former female titleists who, after we're done roaming the world, spreading the lore, we <laughs> we also help in other community participations. May it be volunteering, may it be spreading the word of of our community and what we can participate in, and as well as uh, be a support unit to other title holders, male or female or non-binary during their title holder time. Sometimes you need other title holders who've been there before to help you during your title year. And so STS, as we call ourselves, that's what we do. We're uh, located in the Southern California, California uh, area. Awesome. It sounds like we have a lot to talk about. Um... So before we get started, though, I always like to start off with sort of an origin story. And I know you said you've been in the community, like really your whole adult life. Um, So I'm just curious to know, like, when did you come to your own understanding of who you are sexually, like as far as your sexual orientation and being kinky? Like, when was the first time you felt that you might not be like, you know, like the norm, I guess you could say? I I, want to safely stay. Um, and I'm saying safe because I, as an individual who believes in the sanctity of explaining oneself to individuals of all ages, um, I have this thing about, you know, sometimes too early is too young for some. I've heard stories from people that they were um, uh, they were showed this lifestyle in a not a negative in a negative um, environment. And therefore, you know, folks want to put a negative connotation to that. Uh, I didn't have that. I was born in the West Hollywood, LA area. I was raised in the, the sub area of Hollywood. Um, my nannies were transgender women. Um, wow. My family were very, uh, not from California, you know, from other countries. My mom was raised in Germany and she's a military brat. So she's seen life a lot differently. So she was growing up at the same time I was growing up. So I didn't see uh, being gay, queer, or bi or any of that any different than a straight relationship or cis relationship as folks like to say um so therefore I didn't see myself different when I was more attracted to women Hmm. and then had no problem in my latter years experimenting with males so I, I left it open for myself to explore so I knew very young my my preferences now the more of the leather lifestyle applications I'm gonna be honest I was a girl who was into punk and alternative music and goth in her teen years, I danced house music. I was all about burning it up. So <laughs> I was open to fashion and the fashion being raised in Hollywood and the West Hollywood opera was an open gambit. I had Melrose. I, <laughs> I had, I had, you know, WeHo to go get bits and pieces. I was blessed and my parents, long as I wasn't dressed like a gangster, they were totally fine with my self-expression with fashion. It says the dress covering all the girl bits and the, and the booty part. Okay, then you can dress all you want. <laughs> Girlfriend, I don't care if you look like Punky Brewster. Is all the stuff covered? Is your nippies all, all right then? So I was very blessed to have that. But I also had a hard time in my environment and school. It was more so once I left home and was in the confines of the, as I call, you know, the concrete jungle of the school environment, that's where I would understand I was a lot more different than my colleagues. I was, you know, I was glad I have friends who are still my friends now in my latter years that I knew since my early teen years that when I came out to them when I was 11, 12 years old in middle school, they didn't look at me crazy. They kind of went, I knew, 
I okay, so and so owes me like a Barbie, owes me like like a, a candy bar because I told <laughs> yeah. that her for you were this, 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 and this. But we were just trying to put our finger on it. I'm like, oh well, you guys should have just asked me. I probably would have told you. I was just more afraid to lose my friendship under you know something that we don't even have to talk about because you don't need to know what I'm doing on my own personal time. Right. Um. So I I guess in my youth, 10, 11, I came out came out out of my parents at the same time too, and now, they. Do you think? Because I I'm. Like I'm getting the idea, like the feeling that like you grew up in a very conducive environment to where everything was kind of like you were accepted to be who you were from right off the bat. Was that a product of the environment of living in the Los Angeles area, you think, or just the environment that you had at home with your family? Both. Um, Because I did live in an area where we were the only blacks in the village, but it was different because they see my grandma who was Native American and she looks Latina. And then I understand and spoke Spanish because all my friends were first generation American. They came here not knowing English. So, you know, other kids may not want to play with them because they didn't speak the language. Well, myself, I was like, you live right down the street, friends, whoop, you know, you're clean. Mm-hmm. let's hang out. And I learned Spanish while they learned English. And I was able to have that relationship. So as they grew with me and I grew with them and my environment was understanding that I was different because, oh, she's black and, oh, she's she was raised in a mixed house. I think a lot of folks just thought, oh, it's because she was raised mm, semi-European, semi-this, this, and the other. You know, we kind of see it as that's why, but I honestly was raised from the streets of my environment. My nannies, as I mentioned, one was named China, one was named Sammy. Sammy was a Caucasian um, transgender um, transitioning and she was cross-dressing at the time. So I watched her transition as I grew and she came from Connecticut. And then the other one was like a straight up ratchet, like street crazy black woman. I, I thought of her as a woman. I didn't know she was a man. It took, they had to tell me that later on. I, cause she had boobs and everything. So I don't know what they were talking about. You know, um, her name was China. She had a patch over one eye. Let me just say that there's a reason why she got that patch. So, <laughs> and the fact that they, they, you know, my parents didn't see them as like, oh my goodness, they're streetwalkers or they're this. They knew them as the individuals they were. And the fact that they were trying to live like everybody else, have relationships, get jobs and be who they are during the eighties and the nineties during a period where being gay and or transgender was looked upon not in the really positive light and Mm -hmm. I knew that because I watched the news I lived in an open neighborhood we had straight and gay people I did see the weirdness that but I didn't understand and the next thing you know I end up turning into this person that was like as in my youth going I have to advocate you know these are my nannies these are these these women taught me how to be more of a girl than my tomboy mom Mm-hmm. So I didn't really see the, the like what was different, but when I got into more ladder into high school, that's when it was pushed in my face what was different. But I still already had made up my mind that you know all these individuals are just ignorant because the fact they were blessed to be raised in an environment as open as myself. My mom made it seem like you are blessed to be in an environment where you get to like see everything in its blossom where I came from. We couldn't have that, you know, you know, being a mixed race girl, she was getting on both ends. She wasn't light enough for this. She wasn't dark enough for that. But I think that was also another helpful thing. She didn't have a supportive environment. And then when she was able to get away from that, she wanted her children to have that supportive environment. Now, granted, when I came out, 
later on in my time coming out, she got a little stringent, but I think it was because she was influenced by the church and other environments around us that she wasn't involved in when I came out to her in my youth. And then she felt guilty that maybe that was why I am the way I am because she didn't foster like the right values. But now that she's older and she has another child that's pretty much, you know, she's polyamorous. This is my baby sister. And she's very open about herself being like, she's like, I'm still a virgin, but I'm poly. And da, 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 da. And she's in her early twenties. And I'm like, see, mm-hmm. you just, just let people be and, you know, what happens in your bedroom is not a big deal. As long as you're paying bills, you're still helping your community. It really doesn't matter what you do. Yeah. And I and I think that's what helped my mom allow me to continue being me because I had friends that didn't have that. And yes, sometimes they had to spend the night at my mom's house because their parents were not the nicest people on earth. And we had to, like, shelter them for a minute when they ran away and then make sure things were cool when they got back home. So, yeah, I get it. I, now, I what's the what's the spiritual like? Uh, d- you said your mom wasn't spiritual or religious before, or she was. She she was raised in a Christian household, but she's from a Jewish descent. My grandmother okay. and my great grandmother are Jewish. Um, you know, we part white, Native American. My mom's on my mom's side, and then mom and her dad's side. He's Creole, so that was her deal. My grandmother before she passed away, very interactive with her tribe because we were dancers in the Lakota tribe of the Rosebud sect of um, Sioux Nation. And so she was still doing the tribal interaction until she was not able to and she passed on to the spirit world. Um, So my grandmother brought us back into saying, oh no, we're Jews. But when we were brought onto like reservation, we weren't allowed to practice anything. And, you know, even our traditional, you know, spirituals, you know, which we are still connected to just because we are part of Christianity or Judaism or any other religion, we still have our spiritual religion, which is not a religion. It's just part of our lifestyle. And therefore that never gets trampled on by a quote unquote secular religion of some sort. So uh, being raised spiritual, understanding that I'm ethically and, you know, Jewish, and then having to be pushed into Christianity in my latter years, I was tired of all that when I moved out. I was like, okay, I did it all, people. You can leave me alone. Let me go my own way. And I am a practicing Jew, but I pretty much live agnostically. My son, we do do you know traditions. Like right now, it's the bot for us. We we burned candles yesterday evening going into nightfall. We turned off all the electronics and everything. This is the only electronic thing I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's because right. we're friends and family right. is why this, I'm allowed to do this. Now, if we were doing this for, for monetary circumstances, I probably would have moved this to another Titan time, but you're my leather fam. So technically I'm spending time you know, on no- the family. <laughs> and, and nobody knows we're recording this anyway. So <laughs> Word. Word. we can edit out that part. We can now. edit that. Uh- <laughs> my my <laughs> God don't got to know. Okay. <laughs> I'll That's tell so my rabbi. Interesting. <laughs> so it sounds like you had like a really, really diverse um, like upbringing spirituality. I, I mean, I grew up Catholic. Um, and I was exposed to other Christian religions, but never Mm -hmm. like, um, you know, like some of the other things that you were speaking on. I mean, Mm -hmm. does that inform your spiritual practices now? Like, I know you practice Judaism, but like the things that you learned from your grandmother and things like that, does that? Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing about Judaism. Uh, I mean, this is one thing I think 
unfortunately is not spoken out firsthand so that it kind of makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Judaism is a way of living more so than like, oh, an actual like religion, question mark. Right. Um, okay. For that reason, you can be Messiahic, meaning, you know, Jews for Jesus, as I call it, as, we, as I like to call it, or any other type of lifestyle mix. Again, our Native American spiritual bringing is more so of ancestral um, appreciation and also keeping the traditions of our culture alive through reaching a meditated state of connecting to our ancestors. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a religion. It's basically just really, you know, relating ourselves, a philosophical way of living. Got it. Now, Judaism is the same way too. Why they eat the certain way they do, the why we have these observations on a Friday night into Saturday until Saturday sundown, then we can like ratchet it up is because it's another form of trying to step ourselves away from the world that we have to be demanding to our work, our obligation to our communities, our obligations to our lovers, our loved ones, our friends, our families. And sometimes certain belief systems are set up to make the individual step away from those things so that they are able to cleanse their own self out and rejuvenate themselves to do it all over again for the world the next couple of days of the week. And then that's kind of like both my native belief systems upbringing and my Judaism has done and has been taught to me as. Now, my mom, she is Christian. She's all about Jesus. Sunday, it sounds like a Baptist son, uh, you know, church. We're just missing some sisters and some hats. I'm serious. <laughs> it's a big hat I'm not, I'm no, You know, I'm expecting when I step out of my bedroom, because she stays with me temporarily right now, that I, I should see some God and some like straight up suits and some girls with some straight up like Sunday wigs, but because uh-huh. <laughs> it, it'd be up in there and I get it and I love it. And it's because again, sometimes connecting is something that you feel more connected to what she is to work Christianity because she was raised around it. She wasn't mm-hmm. really raised around the Jewish viewpoint. She wasn't able to be around her mom during her youth. We got my grandmother during her, when, when I was born. So I got to be raised with my grandmother in our house while my mom was establishing a relationship with her mom from 15 years separation. Wow. So it was, it, so I was raised in, in, in a soap opera going, oh, this is deep and real. And mm-hmm. then there's an outside world. And then do I really want to tell them I'm a whole nother bag of something else? Because I was trying to be very hyper aware of the circumstances. And I think those belief systems helped me be more empathetic and understanding of other cultures, other people, because of all those mixes, that if anyone threw something at me, it's like, I get it. Oh, so you happen to be this and you practice this and you're queer. So your family's not cool about that. Your lover is this. And they're another belief system, but their family's okay about that. Sure. Dab, dab. I feel you. I think more of those interactions is why I'm more interactive in my community. I was trying my best to find my, my, my tribe, because I am a mixed race woman of color. There wasn't a lot of black people around in my environment. There wasn't enough of anything of my, of that I tied to culturally and racially to stem, but my family in my intermediate household. So when I stepped out to the real world and moved out after high school, while I was in college at age 18, I really was raising myself and my leather and kink community taught me how to be able to be an adult in a lifestyle that's super adult 
you you can you have to really be on your p's and q's i don't understand how folks can and sit there and make it seem like, oh, it's just, a, you know, you dress up and model and you hang out at really cool clubs. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's the fun part, girl. That's the fun part. There's yeah. a lot more. How you're able to navigate romantic relationships with people, how you're able to tone it down for work, because work is a great deal of your life. Or do you have to change your work? You know, these are things I had to approach really early because I didn't see myself not, not being this way. Right. And how was I going to be able to do the picket fence, you know, like I call it Nancy Karen life, along with expressing my my multiple gender viewpoints, while also living a semi conservative vanilla life, while also trying to raise a child. Oh, my gosh, I we I want to get into this discussion with you, because this is such a it, this has been on my mind from like the beginning of like, mm-hmm. uh, like, why? What is wrong with our society to where like oh god forbid you be a sexual being like everybody's a sexual being and mm-hmm. it just i'm gonna go into rant but before we go there <laughs> no no that's 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 definitely a that's something that that i i i that's my daily walk in the park yes. me and me and that, yes. that conversation has been day one and to this day and i think i have i have a lot of answers because i do ask a lot of people and some of the things i connect with outside my kink community that i let them know that i'm part of so that hey you have the you have the right to be my friend or not but if we're going to yeah. be friends, I'm going to ask you all the straight questions because I need to know <laughs> so I can bring it back to my people so we can fix things because <laughs> we can be friends. I'm serious. Why don't we have to talk to my baby? Why we got to talk about my baby? I mean, I just yeah. don't. I, I, okay. Well, okay. Let me ask you these two questions first because otherwise okay. I will forget. Okay. Um, is um, I noticed when you're introducing yourself a couple things. Um, the first that you you um you said her with a y and i'm i i have no knowledge of that so i was wondering if you can explain that and also um like your definition or personal identity with the word queer because um yeah people of our older generation like queer is something that was like negative and now today a lot of us use it as as an identifier yeah i'm just curious like what uh, first of all, like the definition of that, her with a Y that I've never heard before, actually. Um, this is something new to me. And then like your journey with the with the identity of queer. The Y is almost like the I. I am. I, I Let me pull my walker out my car and, and open up the hatchback and get my nurse from the back. I am in my 40s. Um, a lot of my, uh, I want to say, gay, queer, trans, godmothers and godfathers. <clears throat> that I was raised with who helped me, I guess, put the pieces together for me to help to identify myself. We came from that first wave of how do we explain the in-between kid? Hmm. <laughs> I'm just going to say it like that because I don't yeah. want to misrepresent anyone now that we've actually have more stronger, you know, pronoun identification. But when my time, we didn't. I was not femme enough. I was not butch enough. I didn't feel comfortable being considered completely identified entirely all born as a feminine energy, seeing the fact that I was in, an, in a weird circumstance for most up into my adult life of hormonal imbalance. I have the girl bits. Um, I wasn't producing eggs as well. I was, I, some parts were a little bigger than others. Um, I had to grow into my body. Let's just say that. And that made me question a great deal. 
along with how I identify myself physically. When I look in a mirror, I see myself both as a male and a female because I came from an energy of both male and female. I identify with certain masculine energies as well as the evident energies. I am a professional pro-femdom. And I say that I'm a professional femdom in that way because it's like yes I get paid to be my my feminine energy to basically be the forefront of the chariot in my day-to-day life including my very vanilla day job I have an energy that some of my staff call me sir and they're not fucking around and some of my staff see me like a very like grandmother aunt figure uh, you know this other type of feminine energy but it's not sexual and it's not oh chick be out and because of that I think I don't feel comfortable as a as a human being having to be trapped to an identity mm-hmm. that I personally physically to my gut and soul cannot lean entirely one side on and during my time of coming out I remember coming out to my friends and they're like, oh, so you're a lesbian because you haven't even had experiences with boys, but you always talk about girls. I'm like, I have not thing against males. I like certain type of males, particularly dandy types or very, you know, a feminine, I guess that they say back in the day, you know, yeah. a very feminine males I, I am attracted to. I like being the boyfriend when I'm with a guy and with a girl. And depending on the girl, I, I, I like to be able to have the pull, the shin pull of both. But then again, you had to be comfortable in your skin and also had other individuals be comfortable that you're that way. And in my youth, folks were still just comfortable saying, I'm a dude that likes dudes. I'm a girl that likes girls. And then they both looked down upon the bi kid, which mm. I was like, ooh, shit. They're not going to like me that much either. You know, <laughs> the bi kid now has someone to pick on. Like, it yeah. really was like that. And so I had to go on this long, I guess, like right now, explanation to win a person for them to understand, to see past that and then just say, oh, you're just you. You're just into what you're into. And I like you for that reason. And yeah. all that other stuff's unnecessary. I think it's really interesting you brought up the the bi kid topic. Um, it, it's it's interesting because I think a lot of us when we're first coming out as like, well, I mean, I guess I can only speak for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming out as gay, like, you know, I think my journey was probably a lot more cut and dry because I always knew like I'm gay and I'm a cis male. Like that, mm-hmm. that, that's always been my reality. And when you meet somebody who's bisexual, um, whether or not it's consciously something in your head, like for me, I remember mm-hmm. thinking like that that's not fair. That right? you get like you get to go out and you get to live this straight life. And then when it's convenient, you can be gay. And right. I just I was I that that always upset me. But now, like as I've grown to understand myself and other people, I realize that like Okay, yeah, that, that it is. Simple. Yeah, yeah, it's not that simple. But like, I think that's why a lot of like, you know, people in the LGBTQ like world like have this kind of, um, I guess you could say friction with, you know, uh-huh. different parts of our community because of like, reasons yeah. like that, where it's like, at the same time, like, you have to look at outside of yourself and be like, um, like I had to, you know, look at myself and be like, Brandon, but it's not about you. <laughs> yeah. Quit yucking someone's yum. No, yeah. it was like, you know, I, I honestly see, and, and I, and I think this is why I, I, I no longer waver 
to try to explain more than necessary unless it's purely to educate another person when it comes to this particular topic because yeah when you see me you you straight up see me as a chick and that's great i don't have a heart attack and correct the person when they call me ma'am or sir um if anything i tell people and if they and if they catch themselves and they say what do you prefer i go what do you feel when you're around me because honestly that's how i operate i've always operate by the energy that you are I have dated cis males who are what would be considered more high maintenance than any high femme I've ever dated. I've, you know, they, they needed their own like cabinet for just hair product. We haven't even got to the stuff that they use for their mustache. Um, that was my ex-husband. And that was great because <laughs> that was my deal, you know. Yeah. Uh, but then also when I date women, may they be cis femme or they could be, you know, trans femme because I love women in all kinds mm-hmm. that you know I tell them again what do you feel comfortable why is it that you're comfortable with me are you looking at me just because of like the feminine energy or and if so I'm gonna let you know this is not 24 hours and that you have to understand and, and love every part of me and then I I also have to come to the understanding that some folks just ain't gonna understand because like you said yeah they haven't came to that point that they're comfortable entirely with their situation that they can go, I got my own things to worry about. Why do I need to worry about how someone else do their deal? Let me just respect them for how they are and that they have the energy to come out to me and give me the the respect of going, Hey, I'm this, and I'm just letting you know, so you don't have to think about it anymore. (laughs) And, and let's get past this part and let's get on to the fun part of getting to know each other better. Um, And I kind of wish that we could just take the periods out of the L G. I kind of just say we're a spectrum of individuals who all share the same boat. We eat at the same lunch, chow, how line. We all go to the same classes together. We just have our own seat. And it's supposed to be that way. I mean, if you completely entirely wrap your mind around and try to separate each other by what it is that they're into in their own personal and or private space, you don't got time for you to be getting yours. So why don't you just like get yours? (laughs) Leave others alone. Life is too short to be worried about this stuff. Have you ever seen this? I don't know if you have like Instagram or you do have Instagram. Yeah. Okay. So I'm like scrolling through Instagram and this is mm-hmm. a few years ago and I saw this meme where it said, um, it says gays dot, dot, dot. And it says, don't put me in a box. And then you scroll past to the next photo and it's like all of these boxes and it's like, bye, gay, bear, cub, otter, twink, like all these different but then boxes. You're like, but then you're like this, but all of those can be interchangeable. I'm yes, sorry. Yes. I honestly think life and lifestyle and the way we live it is like, mm, it's it's Mr. Mr. Mrs. or the potato head, if people get upset about, you know, that thing. Um, <laughs> you, you, you dress it up as you like it because yeah. at the end of the day, it's decorating your bookcase of life. Yes, absolutely. Everybody's their own representative of what they are bringing to the world. And unless you're talking about wanting to take it out for a date and bring it home at the end of the night, you really don't need to hyper identify or hyper like spotlight certain things. Just enjoy that person as they are and let them be a great representation so that other people like themselves feel like they're being seen in the world. I can definitely say it until I was able to like, sit there and sash our first 
MX, um, like West Coast Olympian, I, I cried. I was like, about time. Mm. Because even when I went up for my title in my interview, I let them know that I identify myself in these particular lights. But I have no issue and prom- problem with individuals only identifying me on my feminine energy because well, I'm not I'm not denying that part of myself either. So if you want me to represent, you know, females of leather for the next year to two, which I did, I can do that. And I can do that the rest of my life and other individuals who are like myself who consider themselves more at one or both or whatever the form that they feel they identify. Because like, just because you were like elected by the community to represent that, that, um, like, you know, that part, Mm -hmm. that's still just a part of who you are. It doesn't mean that that's only, and like, you're a dynamic, growing, changing, full person, you know? And so, and and you are too. People think that like yourself, you're, you're like nausic. I understand myself. I'm a cis gay male. Yeah. You're a cis gay male. And guess what? You too are allowed to go down the checklist of all these interesting things that you too can dabble in just because you dabble in it, just because you want to try it out, just because you like it, but it's not like always on your menu does not make you entirely, you know, one way or another. That just means you are a sexually, how you can say mature individual. Mm-hmm. you are understanding that you are constantly going to enjoy things that are going to push you in different places, spaces, and boxes. You don't have to always stick to one side of the rule. If it makes you feel good, it's safe, it's consented, your partner's down to do it or whatever, or dabble, please come on, come on. I honestly mm-hmm. think a great deal of why individuals have a hard time just being themselves in their own skin is the constant stress of how can I explain myself to people so that I'm accepted not just by my own tribe but then also from someone who can love me the way I need to be loved and Mm -hmm. that was something I you know I'm still learning but I've also learned that as a person who's trying to be a little bit more emotionally mature that the only way you can do that is experience all the things that you feel that is part of you and if it goes well put that bitch in that toolbox of life if it doesn't go well but you're still into it let's put it in the fix it box and we're going to constantly tinker at it until it goes into the toolbox of life and then those things that we got to check out because it was just an idea and it didn't go well and we may not want to really do it again but at least we try to say we did it hey at least we tried and say we did it and there's nothing wrong with that the constant confusion of forcing individuals to feel that they can only identify in one way or another makes individuals lonely it makes individuals hard to connect and or be empathetic to other people's i guess you could say variations of coming out and living as what they are and who they are and then appreciating that they can be that way without being persecuted for whatever reason or the other i love how deep you are getting with this because like i feel like i'm getting uh, i think that i try not to say i feel like because feeling is not thinking i think Mm. that a lot of people especially myself like without even realizing it oftentimes live in fear of wanting to be loved by somebody. So like creating like this version of yourself, that's not really all who you are, but you, you don't want to put it all in front. And like, just one quick example of this was when I was first getting into like leather and kink, like my partner is vanilla and we met when we were both vanilla 
And as I'm getting more into like the leather thing, one day I, I kind of came out to him as kinky and I was like, look, like I understand. And I was like, my heart was racing. Like I was really yeah. afraid he was going to break out with me because I love this person. Yeah. And I was like, I, I don't know what you're going to say. And I like, it's okay. Like if, if you're not into it and, and like we, and he's like, well, what is it? <laughs> like, so it's like, um, like this is what I've experienced. This is the direction that I'm going. And this is like where I'm headed. This is my path, like kind of thing. And he was just like, oh, that's great. I'm really glad that you found something that you love. And like all these years later, he's like lived and grown with me and accepted all of who I am every change of the way like things that I said I would never do or experience like I've now done and realized that I like those things you know or things like that even and I think like we have to surround ourselves you know I guess it's easy to say when you have somebody at home who is like that accepting but like it should be a goal of ours to surround ourselves with people who are going to love us for who we are no matter how we grow and change and choose to live our lives as we discover more of who we are because like even like just because you know I've discovered all this it doesn't mean I'm done growing either you know and I'm sure for yourself too every day you're oh, wow. learning new things about yourself oh yeah I mean as I mentioned I'm a parent yeah a planned pregnancy circumstance situation I told all my lifestyle mentees, submissives and training, those who were callers to me for the period of time, because I was very, very, very like, like understanding this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do it. This is the window I can do it. I being that transparent, sometimes to some folks, they almost think, yeah, you're not you're you're being too honest for it to be honest. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, that's the problem. Um, one of my favorite philosophers and writers is this gentleman named Alain de Botton, um, like Button. And he wrote a book called Love when he was in his early 20s. And they were like, what the, bro, how do you know about it? And he was like, no, I wrote about it because our problem is that, especially if you're you know, a person raised here in the States, we were raised with this viewpoint of romanticism. And the view of romanticism is very, very heterosexual. It didn't work. For, it doesn't work for heterosexuals. So I'm thinking, raising my hand up, how's it work for us? Um, and therefore, when I sat there and realized, if you talk to any human being who wants to become one and have a partner or have the quote unquote regular life, you know, you wake up, you work, you have someone that you meet every day, you love each other, you care for each other. They like painting, you're into tinkering and they support your views and your aspects. We forget that all of us are a little crazy in our own ways based on whatever our life has put us through and what we've learned. And it's okay. And we forget that we have to tell us, you know, we should meet up people. And when we try to interact, we say, like, hey, I'm crazy this way. How are you crazy? And then if so, we're able to work it out that your crazy is not as crazy as I thought and I can handle it. And well, my crazy is not a bad and you can handle it. Ta-da! Let's be crazy together. And that's really how it is. May it yeah. be, may you be kinky or not. That's how it should be. My romantic partners that I had actual relationships with, not just like they were lovers or palmers, um, <laughs> they were all vanilla as well. 
But I, they already knew and met me as I am living at, at that time. Some of them, a 24-7 lifestyle. I had either subs living with me or they vacation or stay during the weekends. They had duties. I had a day job that was separate from my quote-unquote professional job. Um, and therefore, they had to take all of me. And sometimes that was a lot to digest. But then I also, talking to a well, uh, what I call a wellness specialist, aka a therapist, and I am pro-therapist, people need to start doing that, um, uh, that she said, well, that's the deal. They're supposed to know all of you. They should understand all of you so that they can love you. No one can love and hold a person unless they know who you are, even the parts that are discomfort, because they're going to have a few things too. And that's how you know you really matter together when you're ready to go, I can deal with that and you're, and you're extra and you deal with my extra, my crazy. And every day I have someone in my life that I know that no matter how extra or quote unquote crazy my, I may or may not be, that they're going to support me in all the many types of tears of my life because they know I'll be here to support them in all their evolutions. Yeah. Um, I honestly think a great deal of us, we live too much, too, too, too much in the moment and forget that the reason why we want a future is because we want that moment to last as long, but moments are moments. Yeah. We should be working towards more longer term arrangements of friendships and engagements so that we never feel that quote unquote loneliness that all of us feel. And that's just normal too. And it's okay to not feel and be and think like everyone else in your tribe. That what makes you, you and them, them, and you're the representative of your section. Don't, mm -hmm. don't change up the script to try to be like everyone else, because we already have that per one person playing that position we hired you or you're in this play to play you. And I think when we think that way, our hope if we think that way, it makes it easier for us to accept ourselves uh -huh. and then other people accept us for who we are. When I try to be like everyone else in the one little area that they like me, I was so miserable. It was so hard for me to adapt. I too, you know, went through, um, you know, uh, I guess you could say, uh, this is where we do the warning, suicidal warning alert. Okay, um, I'm speaking it now. I've had had my times I, much earlier in my youth, you know, I was found by a friend of a friend and they resuscitated me. I, I've learned from the fact that me coming back to this world is because there's a lot more to this than just my own selfish and personal challenges and even though they might seem like they're only really happening to me they're not they're happening to others and if you could just think that for a second and know that if you could connect to other people and so that they don't feel alone you're not alone I think that helped me and I think that's what I've been doing most of my life right now even as a dominant I I don't treat my subs as if they're beneath or some sort of like level. It's more like we're both equals, but you play one half of the hand and I play the other half of the hand. And that's how we're able to have a whole participation award here. And I respect you for the fact that you give me your power as much as you trust me. And I am able to bestow that power for both of us and I have to full have full responsibility of whatever it may be how it goes and what happens I I don't think I would not understand all that if it wasn't for the want and the will to live 
And my want to will to live is just so that I know that I can be there for someone else. I, I know that I had a really interesting beginning of life, but that middle dark part when you're really trying to figure out yourself. Yeah, it was during the 90s. The 90s was not a pleasant place for queers and gays. Mm-hmm. It was so uncomfortable. I, um, and in of color, oh, please don't be, don't be black and try to be gay. Mm-mm. Yeah. And I didn't even know that was a thing. I, I had to be in my late 20s to actually interact and meet other queer blacks. And that slapped me in the face because I yeah. was already been out for 12 years, you know? <laughs> and you had to do it. <laughs> There's a, a, yet another layer. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, so looking back at the, the those darkest times of your life, I mean, as hard as those were, do you think you would be the same person today had you not had that experience? No. I always say that everything that happens to you really is a is a teaching point for your for your excellence mm-hmm. and for your and for your like knowledge of ignorance. I think that we all come very self-righteous and comfortable with ourselves in a weird way and then some parts of us we really do feel vulnerable. Like, oh no, if anyone knew these things about me, I'll just be crushed. And I was living in a town where superficial ruled. Mm-hmm. You know, I had, I went to a school that some of the kids, they only, they were only there once a week or once a semester and they did everything from home because they were modeling or doing some bougie thing or their parents were somebody. And I was poor. <laughs> <laughs> I was Poe, okay, Poe. We couldn't even afford the other O and R, okay? And <laughs> I don't understand. And was living in an environment where individuals are super, super superficial. I was just glad to be in a place where I could be kind of black and kind of gay and nobody would completely like throw me into a bus. They'll they'll say some slurs, but there'll be somebody be like, hey, leave her alone because, you know, we are like her too. And then they'll stand up and all the gays will sound like, uh-uh. And it'd be like, yes, my people. But then, yes, there were very few and far between and it took time. And then as I got older, I realized, yeah, you are alone sometimes up until you're of age. Once you're old enough to be able to have the, the, the okay to, to be around more other folks of your own that you can interact. Thank goodness to the interwebs. It came out during my youth. I was like, yes. I goodness forbid who if I was in the 50s and 60s trying to live this lifestyle I don't yeah. know I really couldn't say thinking the way I do back then ooh-wee, I don't know but yeah. luckily I want to say I was if I didn't have gone through that you know life and death and being under except being accepting that I am a mixed race child in a town that even though you would think to be cool they're not all cool and but it's okay that there's going to be a brighter side mm-hmm. you have to really really have like faith in the ideal of hope yeah and you have to be and and and, and that's hard because it's hard to explain hope to people it's hard to teach hope to people um I think that's what helped me was hope and I'm very glad thinking about it right now like I said I just turned 42 it's this is the time of year when you you, like around your birthday when you start to notice your mortality and you also try to figure out what did you learn 
up to this point so that you could be a better being, not just for yourself and your predicament, but also for those around you. So you don't feel like you're just, you know, just sucking up the resources and not giving back. Um, and during this whole, like this virus situation that we just went through that really makes you think about, wow, you know, I need to be more around those I love more so than anything. Yeah. I'm kind of glad I've been through what I've been through. I, I, it, I've, I've had friends that didn't have the experiences I did and they didn't do so well. And some of them are not alive today mm-hmm. because they really were like, oh, party it up. It's going to be okay. Things that, no, it wasn't. And it didn't. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, so I, from all of this, I guess, especially this last year, if you were going to take like one life lesson from it all, like your biggest life lesson this, this last year, would you say it would be hope? Hope? Yeah. Hope. And yeah, I think hope. Because not everybody that I knew around me was going, was suffering from some different stuff. Either they were they lost a loved one actually physically, yeah. or they too also were going through their darkest moments. Some, I mean, I've lost some family members during this time. Like you know, they they unfortunately didn't want to stay in this world any longer, yeah. and they left in their wake small children and, and spouses. Um, I guess like that kind of drew me to a whole nother mindset. Like it changed my mind, changed my life. Mm. And this last year I had to re think about me. Like I'm not just this model and it's proton and da 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 da. Cause even though that's a wonderful, really cool thing to be remembered. I kind of just was like, I want to be remembered for so much more than that. And I also need to understand there is much more than that. I was living these last couple of years, I guess, burning the, the candle on both ends with the spotlight burning my weave in the background kind of situation. <laughs> <clears throat> and it's okay. It was okay. The weave wasn't getting too too crispy, but I was smelling my product. I was just saying I was getting too close. Gonna, you know, yeah. just a little too close. I was I was almost I was almost like Pepsi. Was a Pepsi commercial, Michael Jackson? That right. close. Okay, that close. And this coronavirus circumstance that made us like, oh, you have no social life. Um, you're, you're sent home from your job. So you have to stay home. Mm-hmm. So for 18 months, I was an at-home, I guess you could consider cis female mom in the mm-hmm. eyes of my neighbors, folks who never got to see me more than like going in and out of the house at night or in the day to work. I had to learn how to be quote unquote, just hundred percent Nella. And it was good. Cause I haven't had a vanilla life until I pursued trying to have my son. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I had to stop everything five years ago and move everything around and prep my subs and slaves for two years prior to no, I'm really, I'm going to do this. I know that sounds like a thing that I was talking about. No, it's for real. And then Corona hits and then oh, can't work. Can't do this. Yeah. Can't do that. And I got to just stay home and turn into Betty homemaker. I was baking shit and sewing stuff. <laughs> I, I I redid the front and the backyard. We had no grass. Grass is now here. I mean, it was stuff that I didn't think I was capable of yeah. because the fact I wasn't raised in that environment or had those tools. My parents were poor. Like I said, I lived out of Ratchet's apartments as a kid. I, I never lived in a home until now. Granted, I rented, but hey, 
Mm-hmm. It's, it's not I don't have neighbors under or below me over or below me hey there's no popcorn ceiling no I come I'm moving on up like <laughs> no asbestos <laughs> wipe that tear for that wipe that tear <laughs> yeah you know what I mean like and so it while doing that mother thing and was you know getting to reason I also was connecting with my inner self of my kink and my mother because I still was in contact with my play partners. Mm-hmm. Um, I still was talking to the few mentees I could and in the right mindset to myself that I could be able to be of their capacity. I also was still keeping in touch with certain members of the fold so that they were being supported when they were going some dark times and they're in different states. I realized my obligation to the community and to my lifestyle is more than just going to events and raising money and beating ass and which is fine. I love that. Don't get me wrong, but it's more than that. It's actually be having that quote unquote regular day-to-day life with said individuals, you know, talking about the laundry and, you know, stuff with their wife and their husband, which we don't really get to do with one another because we're at parties and events and we're trying to keep it light and fun. And do we ever mature outside the nightclub? Yes, we do. I, I think I've connected and became more in tuned and feel more connected with my brothers and sisters in the community now than I did when we were, you know, rubbing elbows at Folsom, you know? Yes, yes. And it's because we both had to look at each other without, you know, in our, in our freaking like class A leathers, you know, all of us bitches in leggings and t-shirts and shit <laughs> at home handling business because you know business needs to be handled at home just as much as it does when we're in our community and I was able to see my brothers and sisters in a light they were able to appreciate me in that light and now I think I look more human and they're more human to me Mm -hmm. we're no longer you know action figures in this big huge like dc or marvel universe i I honestly (laughs) i constantly feel that way when i walk into like one of the bars i'm looking at everyone like oh it's so-and-so from sector you know bullet bar (laughs) so-and-so from sector like eagle oh those are my bitches from the from the dungeon you know over there like i mean it's so it's so real to me and i know when, when i talk to my vanilla friends that are in my lodge. I have sisters in my Masonic lodge that they see me with a siren stockroom dress bag and my lodge bag. They're like, oh, we're going to a party afterwards. <laughs> and then one of my sisters, are you wearing the shiny, shiny stuff or the other shiny stuff? And they get so in- inquisitive. And in some of them, they out where they was like, so me and my husband have been thinking about dot, 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 dot. And I would say, you know what? Let me, let me ask my sister. <laughs> this is, this is more her thing. But I, I love have, that you could do that for them, you know? And that's, and that makes me feel like, see, I knew you vanillas were just as raunchy. Mm-hmm. I knew it. I knew it. But that's the thing. They, they like it for like, you know, guest appearances on the Brack show. We're like 24 seven. We're living so it. Yeah. And, that, and that's respected too. I mean, but it's interesting that you said like over pandemic, it forced us to kind of really get to know each other as human beings, because there were people who I saw at the bars who we would, I mean, we would have these leather talk uh, weekly zoom parties every week for the whole year until just recently. Um, and I got to know people in a way that I would have never had the opportunity to had we were just hanging out at the bar. Like, and I've seen these people for a long time and one person, um, like 
I won't mention his name or anything, but he, like he's he's a, we're both into water sports, so that's kind of what we engage in when we see each other in person mm-hmm. out at the scene. But then I found out over Zoom or Zoom parties and and the internet and stuff that he's also a musician. And then we connected that way too. And I was like, see, I had no idea. See, you that's know. the thing I was hoping more so when I got involved in this community <laughs> in my in my earlier years. Mm-hmm. I wanted that type of connection. Yeah, I didn't really care that much what you did in your bedroom if we're hanging out at the nightclub because we're not going to be doing it together. But I want to be able to know what else we connect with, so then I feel like I'm not this person alone in my world. You know, I'm a right. I'm a jazz musician, and I also enjoy, you know, I've been doing modern dance and theater dance my whole entire life as long as I was able to like stand on two feet. And when I started seeing <clears throat> other leather uh, like fam doing scenes that weren't just like let's make this dildo disappear don't get me wrong I'm bad. can we do that as like a side show because i can watch that all fucking night but when i got to see like including yourself when you know you were showing your talents of your music musical taste i was like fuck yeah this is what i'm talking about we are culture bitches here can I just say, like, this is <laughs> okay. I even know we can make stuff disappear. Box, you know, Quartrelto numbers. I know what's wrong with y'all. No, I just have to. So, for the people who are listening to this and have no idea what what uh, we're talking about, so I was we at uh, what was it? Um, it was a an event at Sanctuary. I forget what it was. Called. Oh, DomCon. It was yes. Dom, the DomCon party at, at Sanctuary. And um, Mr. Cyan was like, can you get up there and you play violin? And I was like, yeah. Like, and then I thought to my, myself, you know what? Like, I'm going to play the shit out of um, Sweet Child of Mine. So I like, learned this solo and everything. Got up there and I like played it. And I come down and Mina Desaad comes up to me and she was just like, yes. Like, we're not just leather. We're not just kink. We are educated. We are smart. All this stuff. And I was like, oh, my gosh. This is the yes. kind of person that I want to surround myself with. And no, you- that was what I was been looking for my whole yes. entire life in this community. Don't get me wrong. I, I had no problem finding folks to dress up like because, again, I was raised in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. You know, that that the fashion was not even kink. That was just how you roll in our neighborhood. And, oh, mm-hmm. you just have to be kink. That's cute. But I wanted to run into more artistic more like philanthropic not just that they're fun in bed but also fun in the real world because i really didn't like how i was being i guess introduced by my vanilla friends to their other friends to a point that i was like well you know some of us go on to college and have like freaking masters some of my friends and family in the community have freaking phd yeah (laughs) i don't know what you're talking about willis but we've been been there and we all up in the cookie jar, but we just happened to gone in the cookie jar, lubed up and ready to go. That's why <laughs> some folks can't take us serious, but at least yes. we were ready for the party. But that's the thing. I I'm, yeah. I wanted, I needed that. And it, the assurance of knowing that you don't just have to be visually similar. You have more to bring to, to the table when I see at other like functions, events in different countries and different states. Mm-hmm. And it, all it is is, yes, let's see how far my fist can go. I'm giggling and throwing dollars and, and jumping up and down. But then after you've seen three of those scenes, you kind of go like, what else is there? Yeah. yeah. I, wanna, I want you to show me something that I don't get to see every day. And seeing you play was not something I get to see every day. A beautifully class A leather dressed gent playing a violin. 
Yeah. In a place where you don't think that the acoustics would, would, would not kill, but it killed. So therefore, applause okay. to you. <laughs> and Mr. Cyan, I, I love Mr. Cyan. She's like, you know, um, if you want, you could be naked up there <laughs> while you play it. I was like, Mr. Cyan, there's sure. a line. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Cyan, Mr. Cyan, she's all about, we can always raunch you just yeah, a little. I love her. <laughs> She's also a musician and also a, a former engineer in her life. When I met her, um, and she was once my mentor for over 13 years, and I still consult with her with certain types of life-related thought points about the community uh, and how I should navigate them. May they be good and bad. I've been in some serious sticky situations in the community that if it was done in a vanilla environment, it would not have gotten to the type of like, you know, like Kramer versus Kramer, like dashing crazy level TMZ level, which it did. And I had to learn how to navigate that as a title holder, as a person in the community, as a person who played a certain way, and as an individual who knew that they did what was done right, and maybe because lack of education in a community about this type of play and how things are managed is why they may have thought that it went awry. But once all that information was put out there and was brought to light, I was able to redeem myself, my title, and was also to earn back my leathers because it was taken away, and then yeah. also be able to like. I don't like the word martyr, but more like, no, I, I had ex I had an experienced moment that was seen by everyone else in the community. So therefore, hopefully they learn from my experience and they're, they can know how to deal with it too. What I'm referring to is once upon a time in the dark world of BDSM mixed with leather title world, I was at a play party slash event with um, a bottom who was with one of my sisters of the household I was representing as a pro dom at. Mm -hmm. uh, folks had too much. So, you know, I was fine because I, I already knew I was going to go and party, but it was at one of my working establishments. And there's been times they would pull me off the floor. So I was just like, well, I'll drink when I get there because I have this real feeling they might have me work. But everyone else, turn it up. I'll be the designate driver at the end, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Well, a scene was in a, done out in the public environment of the of the venue. Uh, it was a breath play scene. It didn't go well. The person um, lightly blacked out and stumbled down. They wow. uh, fractured their nose. We took them out of the area so we could assess the physical damage as well as clean up the space because we don't want to just have blood every damn where. And it was word around the campfire by gossip that it was not handled in the proper manner that it was. Um, Luckily, there was witnesses and individuals who were bipartisan of the circumstance who was like, no, I was there. I saw the whole thing. This is what happened. But again, the seeing how fast something can actually, you know, st stumble and spiral into the point that, you know, the one community basically had another had me ostracized out of another community. And mm. even to this day, I still have, you know, there's some places I'm not allowed in, but because of that, I also learned the lack of, of education of how the type of play I participate gets. It made me more so want to educate more and more so yeah. on proper methods of not just pl breath play, but other types of quote unquote heavier types of styles of play. Um, the fact that, yes, we all know that there might be and can be an incident occur and be able to physically be able to handle the matter and move on from it is what differentiates us from, you know, hazardous players who just want to be mean, 
And then those who go, hey, stuff happens, but we know how to assess the matter. So I did learn. Um, it all, you know, Mr. Cyan was the one who was helping me understand how to basically go about this in a more like honorable mindset because mm-hmm. it did push me to a space of almost suicide and the space of, you know, I lost a lot of people in my life. Um, I took me five years to financially recuperate from it. It was a, it was a big deal. Wow. And even though a lot of folks don't know that because they only saw a certain fragment, luckily I had a mistress and certain people who saw what happened and what it did yeah. to me. And so they also had to got to learn, oh shit, if something like this happens, how can we guide uh, a person in our community or and a title holder through this fucking situation and still mm-hmm. be able to come out millhouse and <laughs> come on top, you know, and not necessarily be a complete train wreck to the point that they either like most of us would have just left the community altogether and never came back. Well, I mean, I think that's just a huge testament to like who you are as a person. The fact that you, instead of like running away, we're like, okay, this means like I, I need to educate Mm-hmm. myself on this and grow mm-hmm. from this experience because like at the end of the day you're not going to stop being who you are because you no. made a mistake like we are human i'm not going to stop look i'm not i know this sounds really dangerously saying this as if like i'm wearing a t-shirt with a smock over someone's face. It's, it's basically my my symbol should be someone holding a rag over someone's face and then laying backwards no i don't want that no, no, no. <laughs> but no. i want people to know that i do engage in a type of play that individuals enjoy they come to me. I don't come running after them, all hands around their neck, you know. Because you know, and we're human. <laughs> there's no, there's, there's no way that we can be perfect. And I think this, there's, that's one, I, I would say, flaw with my current generation, or I don't know if that's my generation, whatever the current generation is now with the whole cancel culture is like there's no room for people to not be perfect. And the second somebody messes oh. up, they're removed, ostracized, completely mm-hmm. excommunicated. And it's like, well, if we're going to hold people accountable, then we need to provide a path to accountability. And that mm-hmm. comes with things like education, you know, Word. doesn't mean that maybe there's there's no repercussions. Um, oh, yeah. But I mean, you suffered the, the repercussions that you suffered. I mean, it took you five years to recuperate, you know, financially, financially. It took, so- it took about almost two years to get my leathers back. Um mm. Uh, I had to do not just uh, volunteer service inside my leather and my DS community. And then even though they both look like they're alike, they're two different households altogether. They're down the block and around each quarter of each other, same zip code, different block. But I had to do a lot of work on both ends just so that one, I didn't want to walk away seeing like, haha, I can do what I want. Yeah. That was something I didn't want. I, I too was traumatized by the scenario. There's still certain things I don't do anymore. I don't play with other people's property. Um, I, unless that person has pulled me aside as their, their dominant has said, hey, I want you to, they have to be there when we play. Like it's, I, mm-hmm. I am no longer the same anymore. And because of that, I had to also learn how to play differently. Um, I also had to learn how to, you know, be able to, you know, appreciate my dominance again. Mm-hmm. I almost didn't feel like I deserved to be a top anymore. There was a lot of things that, you know, you have to relearn, regauge, re, you know, reassure. And then I also, who had some missives and bottoms playing at that time, 
assure them and hope that they didn't get any repercussions being my bottoms because they too, mm-hmm. when they went to other play parties and events, they were allowed in, but I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, 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 sometimes some of these places were so right out, like, you know, taking it personal. They were like, yeah, they can come here. They can play here. They can educate here, but they can't bring you here. Mm-hmm. Right out in my face. And I'm like, that's okay. That's fine. As our dominant, I'm not going to keep them from having a good time wherever that might be. Right. They can play wherever <laughs> they want because they have that energy. But you know what? That just lets me know <clears throat> you can't make everyone happy all the time. You can't please everyone. Right. You, all you can really do is do what you can do and just be you. Don't change yourself for anyone else unless it's for the better. If it's to educate you for the better, if it's to make you grow for the better but not because the fact that someone forced you and now that your right. change is entirely because you have to, to assimilate. Cause then now you didn't learn from the lesson. You're just doing it because you have to. I rather learn from the lesson, which shit I learned from that lesson. And therefore, and, hopefully yeah. I can go for that. And like you said, you can't control what other people are. And, you know, if the, if, if certain people don't want you to be doing whatever it is in their, that's their, that's how they, their boundary, their line, mm-hmm. and that's their business. And, and they're allowed. Yeah, they are allowed. They're allowed to. Yeah, exactly. Like that. If that's, you know, what they want to do, to if what they feel like they have to do, then that's yes. what they have to do. But I will say thank you for sharing that. I didn't know yes. this about you. I really will say because for those who are new to the king scene, and I would say I myself probably am new. I've been, you know, for several years. But um, like just to know from this experience that like things like this do happen you know, and you have to be like aware and you have to be careful and you have to be educated on certain things like that because you don't want to, you don't want to fuck any shit up. You really don't. And you also need to have the right support units to help you as you're navigating through the repercussions of reestablishing, coming to terms, um, helping, assisting, aiding and guiding, and also squashing whatever beefs are necessary between yourself and those parties. I don't talk to certain those certain parties anymore, but I don't beef with them. I also know that <clears throat> I feel that if that's what they 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 that they feel they do need to do to feel safe around me, so be it. And I have my own safety mechanisms. You know, I don't attend events by myself because of my social anxieties due to the circumstances. Um, I also know where I'm safe and where I'm not. And I also make sure that if I'm at certain places where those people are going to be, then I'm announced so that they also have the rights of making the decision of being around my person or not. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that because certain things may have been managed and or quote unquote squashed that individuals have to force themselves to be okay with each other because we're prominent individuals in the community it i don't believe that it we're on a big huge stage and that our feelings and or who we are as people don't matter in the community no we're we're gonna make mistakes we're gonna mess things up we're gonna learn some things and we might even do some glorious wonderful things but that's part of being a person and and or a human in the community i think i respect a, a a title holder who's human who can say, I didn't know that, and let me start all over, versus someone who looks like they basically straight up had a cutting type of circumstance because they didn't learn anything. They basically were too busy acting out and acting. 
doing what mm-hmm. is said and going down the do's and don'ts and not really digesting why they're do's and why they're don'ts. They're not just because we have to, to keep being who we are in our communities. There's reasons why. And this is why I was one of those reasons why. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you sharing that with us and just Thanks. being so transparent with us today. Um, we are out of time for our first, yes. we're definitely going to be having a part two because I have so much more to talk with you about. Yes. Uh, but before we go, um, would you like to leave our audience with any last words of advice or encouragement? Yes. I always say this with most people, live your life in three P's, positive, productive. And of course, you always want to feel like that you are producing something in this world outside yourself. Know that no one's always gonna be like you. No one's ever going to be able to agree with everything 100%, but that's the beauty about ourselves. We're supposed to just be that other little part of that quilt that's supposed to attach to other pieces. We're not supposed to be all an omega. We're just supposed to be what we are, who we are with each other. And if we just live like that, maybe just maybe, we could be able to be not stressed out as much as usual. Well, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. Um, as always, guys, you can find me on Instagram and Patreon as Leather Talk Mr. Bullet and Twitter as Brandon Bullet LA. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay kinky.